0: The Latin word for which we derive the term pastor literally means shepherd. In recent years, going back obviously to biblical times, we've invoked the image of the shepherd as being the epitome of leadership. But even recently, we speak of servant leadership. We look to Christ as kind of that icon, that template, of what a true leader is. When we hear the words from the prophet Jeremiah, we keep in mind the culture, the people that were hearing those words. He was speaking to a nation that had suffered through one poor leader after another. Their kings were mediocre at best during that time, dismal failures at worst. The people then knew what it was like to live in exile under the Babylonians. They were a defeated people. A people who were disappointed in their leaders. You might remember last week, we heard from the prophet Amos, the one who told everyone who would listen that he didn't sign up for the job, that he was happy being a shepherd in the literal sense, tending his sycamore trees, and he was flatly rejected, Yet he continued to prophesy by writing, even when those in the establishment sought to silence his voice. Today, isn't the very notion of leadership under attack? And whether one is a good or a poor leader often resides in terms of the opinion Of who's speaking at that moment. Within the church, we often find ourselves divided. You name a church leader, from the pope to any bishop to anyone who seems to have authority, and depending on someone's perspective, they're either great, mediocre, or poor. It often has to do with whether or not They agree with their stance. And the same thing goes in politics, government, education, you name it. We look at our bosses, our supervisors, and we will say they're good leaders, usually dependent on whether or not we're in agreement with their decisions, their policies, oftentimes whether or not we agree with their words. Jeremiah, in speaking to a rather beaten, battered nation, gave a message of hope. Yes, their shepherds had failed them many times over. And it wasn't just that the Lord was gonna give them another shepherd. God, speaking through Jeremiah, says that he would be their shepherd. That one would come, and we know that came through the lineage of David. The prophecy was of Christ. Christ who came and became one with humanity. Christ who became the icon, the template, the model of what a true, good shepherd leader would look like. I'd say there's three dimensions that we can look at. You may remember an expression that was popular maybe 30 years ago, so I'm dating myself. Some of you might remember this expression. It said, don't walk in front of me, I might not follow. Don't walk behind me, I might not lead just walk beside me and be my friend. When it comes to leadership, I will sum that up in one word. Wrong. To be friends, we walk beside each other. Shepherds do more. And I put to you today, here's a way of finding the true shepherd, look at the characteristics of Jesus recognizing that all of us are going to fall short on any given day. And this isn't just about looking for a personality to latch onto, a person to follow. There's one to latch onto, one to follow, Jesus Christ alone. But my friends, we need to be cautious, because if I say that whatever it is that I want is latching on to Jesus, I need to make sure that I'm not remaking Jesus into my own image to conform with my own opinions, preferences, or desires, because sometimes Jesus is going to tell me things that I might not like with which I might not agree, and that I really have to struggle with to get to where the shepherd is calling me. That little saying actually has some truth, and I'd put to you today that the three postures mentioned are all critical for those of us who shepherd. And we're not just looking at church leaders, government leaders. We all have a call to being servant leaders. You were baptized, right? And all of you were baptized with Christ as priest, prophet, king, or servant leader. We all are called to a ministry of sanctifying our world. We are all called to being voices heralding the gospel. And we are all called to servant Leadership, being footwashers, you might say. So, one part of leadership literally is to stand in front. Shepherds guide their flocks, parents direct their children, teachers instruct their students, popes and bishops govern the church, and their local dioceses. Yes, a true leader sets a vision, puts it out there, proposes it, models it, preaches it. Words are important, but they're not sufficient. Because there's also that second part, Pope Francis talks about encounter, accompaniment. Because we have to remember that if we're trying to be shepherds or servant leaders, we have to go to where people are, not just tell them where they need to be. Sometimes we as Christians can be a little bit arrogant I know the temptation is always there, and I can get a little bit impatient when I confront it with someone who might be in disagreement with the church about this or that, and in the back of my mind, I hear myself just saying, why don't they just understand? Why don't they just get it? Parents, you ever been in that situation? And then what do you say when they say, why do I have to do that? And you finally get to your wit's end, and you you take the Hail Mary, and it's what? Because I said so real effective, right? It may change behavior for a moment, but it doesn't change a heart. So we can't just be words that are bellowing out there, saying it has to be this way, it must be that way, you've got to do this thing. No, we've got to walk with one another. We walk in our woundedness, and we're all wounded to some degree. We're wounded sometimes emotionally or psychologically, but we are all wounded by sin. Our bad choices compromise our credibility. They compromise the credibility of our words. We don't know how our words can be damaging when we don't live them out. And none of us do it perfectly. I thank God every day I'm a Catholic and have access to the sacrament of reconciliation, not just as the priest hearing the confessions, but as the penitent receiving the Lord's absolution. No, if I want to be a credible witness to someone, I've got to go where they are. It didn't make a whole lot of sense, but what did Jesus say about the shepherd who has a hundred sheep and one wanders off? He doesn't just yell out to the sheep and says, get back here. The good shepherd goes after the one sheep. Because that sheep is important. We might sit back and say, well, what, is he going to jeopardize the other 99? Are they still going to be there when he comes back? We have to watch each other, don't we? We have to support each other. Hold on to each other. Walk with and accompany each other. But also go after that sheep that has gone astray. And not to say come back. But go to them. And sometimes the places we have to go are messy. They're not pretty, they're not neat, and they certainly aren't perfect. And as sheep, we have to remember that when we've wandered astray, God's ready to take us right where we are, not just saying you're not where you should be. That's encounter, that's accompaniment, that's being a servant leader. But just as Jesus would go after the lost sheep, where he would engage with prostitutes, tax collectors, public sinners, lepers, he also stood behind. A good leader also is in the back. He sent out his disciples, just like in the gospel today. He sent them out. And they came back presumably exhausted, because he said, okay, let's go. Let's find a deserted place and rest a while. But the good shepherd, the good leader, empowers those. A good parent is going to be the one who raises their child to be independent, right? That's good leadership as a parent. The good teacher is going to give their student the opportunity to try things, to make mistakes. That's the sign of a good teacher. A good leader recognizes that things may be messy. They may not always get it right, but that we all learn through trial and error sometimes. You ever get frustrated with someone in your life that you really care for? And you say, geez, they just keep making one bad decision after another. Why won't they listen to me? Why won't they learn from my mistakes? How did you learn from your mistakes? You learned through your mistakes. I'm so glad I'm not God. I wouldn't have the patience for it. <laughs> because sometimes we get there and we say, you know, I say it for God. He looks and it, it's got to be so clear to him. And I know that he must laugh at me a lot, saying, doesn't he get it? But you know, that's not my experience of God. God never imposes himself on his friends, he proposes a relationship as a bridegroom does to a potential bride. The church is Christ's bride you and I are being called into, proposed into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. His church ministers as the shepherd here on, the, here on, on earth today. We don't always get it 100% right. We stumble, we fall. But it all comes down to are we willing to keep coming back to God? Can we acknowledge Him as the shepherd? Can we stay close to His church even when we struggle with leaders who we might not always agree with, with decisions that we might question? Can we look and see a world that's bigger than our own preferences, opinions, but rather say what does God want in all of this? And how is God acting? What does the scripture say to the Lord? A day is like a thousand years to us. And you can see why we get a little antsy when things don't happen as quickly as we'd like them to happen. But God's timeless. But in being timeless, he's also immeasurably patient with us. He knows that we have to discover him in our own time, in our own situations, in our own circumstances. But at the same time, you and I are here for each other to help one another to discover God working and acting and moving in our lives. So we can't just be the leaders who stand up and shout out the truths. We also need to be the leaders who take those truths to heart and walk with those who are wounded or struggling. We also have to be those leaders who can come up from behind and send people out knowing that they're going to make mistakes because that's how we learn. My friends, God never gives up on you. No matter what mistake you've made, whatever sin you've committed, God never gives up on you. The biggest struggle I think we ever have in life is being able to recognize the true voice of the shepherd. And in doing so, we have to be open to the fact that maybe, just maybe, that voice may challenge my presuppositions, that that voice may be calling me to a little more, that that voice may be calling me to conversion and repentance, that that voice might be calling me to humility, And once we can get to that point, man, what God can do, how God can use us, just look what he did with those 12. Not because they were perfect, but because they didn't give up, and he certainly didn't give up on them. Amen?